Welcome to episode number 103 of the Marine Layer podcast. Jerry Depoto, Justin Hollander, and Scott Service all have expiring contracts this season. What does that mean for the Mariners? And close out the show with Speak Your Mind. This show is brought to you by our friends over at Pagacha's Pub 85. It's in Kirkland. You guys hear us talk about it. We're going to continue to do so. It's our favorite place to go hang out. They've got awesome food, great drinks, 22 TVs to watch games. They've got a pool table. They've got a darts board. You want to go have an awesome time with your friends? Head over there. And if you want to go during happy hour, they've got some great drink specials. They are Monday through Friday from 2 to 6 p.m. It's $3 domestic beers, $4 Manny's Blue Moons, $4 Mac and Jacks. $4 Wells, and $4 House Wines. Get all that. Go hang out with your friends over at Pagacha's Pub 85 in Kirkland. Before we start the show, here's your reminder. Download our episodes. Rate and review five stars if you're listening. You're doing us a big favor if you do. Like, comment, subscribe on YouTube where the video podcast is, and then check us out on social media. We're on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, and YouTube shorts at Marine Layer Pod. Let's get it rolling. And we welcome you to this episode of the Marine Layer Podcast, part of the Just Baseball Podcast Network, recording here on Thursday evening, February 15th. Uh, interesting setup we have here, pal. For the first time, I'm at a, a, a different setup at home, but we will make good of it. It has been an interesting night of recording, but for the Mariners, it has been almost as much of a wait and see, just like we waited and seed through the beginning of this episode. I think they're still in on Matt Chapman, according to Ryan Davis. He was on Brock and Sock this morning and said, they're keeping tabs. Yeah, they are. And for those watching on YouTube wondering what's going on with us, yeah, TJ's had a couple of computer problems. We tried to record a couple times. We restarted a couple times. So this was our best solution for this episode. So just bear with us with uh, through it. We know you guys can still see us and still hear us, which is uh, the important thing. Anyway. Matt Chapman. Uh, yeah, are we fired up about this? Like hearing today that the Mariners are internally having discussions still about signing Matt Chapman? Uh, like, I'm down. Like, think of it this way. Look at the Mariners infield right now, and you have a platinum-gloved Matt Chapman, and you look at the rest of the Mariners' defense. Is there another plus defender on that infield right now? Not really. JP hasn't played great defense the last couple of years. Polanco's not a great defender. Arias isn't a great defender. So when you talk about a team that has a lot of upside this year and there's a lot to be excited about, that should not change at all. People should be excited. But when you look at the defense, there are a couple downsides, and that's one of them, being the infield defense is not what it was in the past. I'm going to give Mike Salk a lot of credit because he I, he's hammered this point home a couple of times and. It just think just think of the so JP's weakness as we we highlighted during the season. If you look on baseball savant, it's going to his right in the hole at shortstop. That's a that's a dangerous spot. Pull side for for a right handed hitter. Matt Chapman would help alleviate some of that, like with his range there at third base. Because I don't know if you trust Josh Rojas or Luis Urias going into that hole to sort of help out JP in that sense. It would be. It, if Matt Chatwood would make you feel more comfortable with an aging J.P. Crawford at shortstop. Yeah, it would. I will tell you that I feel differently just about every day about Matt Chapman. Like one day I'll wake up, I'll put my hands above my head, stretch to the left and say, yeah, Matt Chapman. 
he hits for a lot of power, plays good defense. His contract price is probably going down. I could buy in on this. Other days I wake up, put my hands above my head, stretch to the right and say, "Mm, Matt Chapman strikes out a lot. Past April last year, his offensive season was not very good. I have my concerns. So honestly, flip a coin. And that's probably how I'm feeling about Matt Chapman on that particular day. But I will say part of Divish's interview on Brock and Salk today was him talking about how he thinks that the market is going down for Chapman. And the, he he was basically stating that he thinks Chapman wouldn't take a one-year deal, but he might think about taking a three-year deal. And if it's going to be a three-year deal for the Mariners com- compared to six or seven years, all of a sudden interest perks up, you've got my attention. If it's really going to be a three-year deal, yeah, you've got my attention. I feel a little bad for Matt Chapman. It's almost bad luck. He's hit free agency at this time, right when the RSN bubble pops. And even though Matt Chapman hasn't been a truly elite baseball player since pre-pandemic in 2019, well, it doesn't mean he doesn't he doesn't deserve long contracts. I mean, worse players have gotten longer contracts than the probably now three-year deal he's going to get. But for the Mariners, that opens up a number of of options. They don't have to commit to him long-term, but they could also get exactly what they need looking at their starting nine and saying, okay, if there is still one more upgrade we can make, if we still have the ability to make one more upgrade on this roster, it's third base. And one of the big four free agents is a third baseman waiting to be signed and reportedly willing to take less. The dominoes don't always fall this way for the Seattle Mariners. It's kind of going that way if he ends up thinking about it. Yeah, it is. Again, I I don't know how to feel one way or the other, but I will say if you're really going to run out of lineup with Matt Chapman in it, I don't even really know where the weakness is. Who hits ninth in this lineup when Hanniger's in the lineup against lefties? Is it Hanniger? Is it Luke Rayleigh? Luke Rayleigh's your nine hitter. I look at that lineup and say, whoa. You know, Matt Chapman still might be the ninth best hitter in that lineup, right? He still could be, but it doesn't matter because he's going to be providing the platinum glove defense at third that you need. That's honestly more important than his bat because we think right now the Mariners lineup's good enough. You and I both think that. This is a this is a playoff caliber lineup right now. It could get better with Matt Chapman, but we've seen the the signs of aging and slowing down with Matt Chapman. So it does not need to be elite. It needs to be serviceable to complement the defense at third, to which could elevate him to a three and a half win season and a three and a half win season. Like, yeah, please. Thank you. Yeah, so that so you're talking about a guy that probably would put up slightly better offensive production if he's going to keep on the trend that he's been on the last couple of years compared to the platoon currently set for third base. But when you factor in the defense, it's still a three and a half, maybe four win player. And if that's the case, that is an upgrade. And if you get that upgrade at third base with that defense, the team takes a step up. Yeah, to be honest, if you compare the, the, the platoon and like Matt Chapman, right? So Matt Chapman would have the better defense than the platoon. The platoon would hit for a higher average. They'd probably get on base a little bit more. Matt Chapman would hit for a little bit more power himself, uh, alone that. So, like, we're kind of split 2-2 there on, like, values. Batting average and on base, power and defense, right? Depends which one you want to weigh. If the Mariners feel like they could actually, lineup-wise, use a little bit more power as well and they want some thump from that spot, then yes. Because right now, your best power-hitting infielder is your second baseman. And that's kind of rare these days. 
right? If your second baseman is your best power hitter on the infield. Now, if you can make that your third baseman as well, that's a little bit better. That's a little bit better. Yeah, I mean, I can buy in on this. I'm sure if the day came where the Mariners said they were going to sign Matt Chapman to a three-year, $60 million deal, I'd probably perk up. I'd probably say, wow, like they're really going for it. They're really buying in on this. The question is, does John Stanton buy in on it? Because I'm guessing these internal discussions are not involving him. It's probably front office discussions. And then they'd have to go to the ownership group and say, can we have this money? And that may be a conversation in itself. But it would get me excited to say they're really trying to push this team over the top. Because Chapman, he would, if he's at his best or close to his best, though, he would do that. If it's three for 20, that puts you over the budget. So the, I think Divish estimated they're at about $132 million right now. 132 plus 20 more million dollars for the seasons, 152. They'd be over the budget. And at this point, they would not have the ability to go out and make a move at the deadline, which sucks because this would kind of smell like a 2018 season. The team would need to be good front to back without any additions in the middle. And most great teams need an addition in the middle. You're going to have to weigh, like, is that, would that risk be worth it of not being able to add in season? Is Matt Chapman more valuable than someone you can add at the deadline? Big question to ask. It is a big question to ask. I don't know which route's better, to be honest with you, to keep some payroll and evaluate at the deadline or sign a guy that you believe could be a star on your team right now. I don't know. There's, there, are, there are sides to both arguments, but the fact this is being floated out there, I think it's got to make people excited. Before we chat about the lame duck status of Jerry Depoto, Justin Hollander, and Scott Service, let's hear a word from our friends at Simply Seattle. They're our favorite place to go if you want any Pacific Northwest themed sports gear, Seahawks, Mariners, Kraken, Sonics, Huskies. They have you covered, and we have you covered too. So if you go to simplyseattle.com, you can use our code MARINE15 for 15% off your order. That's MARINE15 at checkout. Only at simplyseattle.com, you get 15% off and you have a great selection of gear to choose from. We highly recommend it. They have great stuff. Go check them out at simplyseattle.com. Well, for the third time in Jerry DePoto's tenure as now president of baseball operations of the Seattle Mariner, wow, he's going to enter the season as a lame duck executive. Third time. Yeah, why do they keep doing this? We talk about like messing around with free agency and payroll. Why are you messing around with your president of baseball operations contract? And and now Hollanders and services too, which they're important for sure. But it all starts with Jerry because everything in the baseball ops department starts with Jerry. So I don't think the Mariners would let him go, but I am wondering why they haven't gotten this deal done yet. For a number of reasons, but like, let's just start with that. Why hasn't ownership got like taken care of this? I have a thought. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking, I'm rewinding the clock back to December. We're at the low point of the offseason. Jared Kelnick had just been traded. And you and I are sitting here trying to figure out the future of the Mariners franchise and how they go. And what, what happens to Jerry? And, and, and how Jerry can navigate and what like how Jerry can possibly keep his job if they were to somehow miss the playoffs again in 2024. Is this not ownership hedging that? Or they're going to wait until June or July or even August to see where the team is 
to not have to commit money to Jerry DePoto beyond the season if they don't feel like he's the guy to lead them into the future. Because you and I said, by deadline of this season, if the Mariners are not in contention, Jerry DePoto's seat is warm. In fact, probably warmer than warm. So if ownership thinks the same way, they might not want to commit any dollars beyond this season. Given their spending habits, that's not exactly a surprising thing. Well, do they want to pay executives they don't want on the team past this season? I'm sorry. How can Jerry Depoto's seat be warm, even if they're not in playoff contention, which I don't think that's going to be the case? Whose fault is that if they're not in playoff contention? I'll tell you whose fault it is. It's the people that aren't letting their baseball ops people run their team with a reasonable payroll. If Here's the problem if you let Jerry go. Everybody goes with him. It's not just Jerry. People need to keep that in mind. It's not just Jerry if you let Jerry DePoto go. It's the entire front office staff or most of his guys. Everybody that's responsible for the unbelievable player development they've had over the last few years with young guys and continuing to restock the farm and their scouting department. Like, they all go too. Does John Stanton and the rest of the ownership group think cleaning house is going to change things? I don't because you're going to go hire somebody else and say, Welcome to the team. Here's the job. You get a $120 million payroll. Nobody else is going to be able to maneuver their, their way around that unless you went and, go, like, went and got Eric Neander from the Rays. I don't think he's leaving Tampa. If he did, you'd have to pay him more. And when has ownership group been interested in paying more for things? I don't know how in the world you could let this regime go. And if they do, I'll tell you what, I'm going to be very, very upset about it if they do. Maybe that's what ownership's doing. Maybe they're waiting to see how the season shakes out. I think that's a mistake because that can turn into Depoto getting antsy if they really think his if he really thinks his seat's warm and irresponsibly manage the trade deadline or try to at least because he could make some he could make some moves that are a little bit all out and don't feel like a five year plan type of move or even a three year plan type of move. It feels like a two month plan type of move. I don't like the idea of trading away Colt Emerson or Cole Young for some rental. And if he doesn't have a new contract, is it going to lead to that? I don't know. So, okay, uh, uh, let me try and dig into that reaction you just had a little bit. So even if they are, if, if this team falls flat on its face by the trade deadline, you that reaction you had stays the same. It does, and, and it's not like none of it would fall on Jerry and Justin, because if they're falling flat on their face, that means some of the moves that they tried to make have not worked out, although I think we all sit here right now and say the moves they have made are sound mm-hmm. moves. Because, again, whose fault is it if they do not have a winning record by the trade deadline? Yeah. It's the people that said you can't spend any money, and Jerry yeah. and Justin still manage ways to get creative and build a competitive roster in spite of that. Yeah. Okay, so you're right. In the end, the failures of most sports organizations are the owners. Like, we know that. That is a given fact. However, the owners don't have bosses besides their own board of directors. Those are their bosses. Those are the decisions. The shareholders are the decision makers. But the shareholders with the Seattle Mariners, as you and I know, are probably pretty happy with where the franchise valuation is going and the you know the, the luxury seating and the half-back bar and grill and well, even though their television money won't make as much as they, they anticipate in the future, I'm sure they will probably still be in the green because that's how they've operated forever. They won't let the, the profits get cut into. They won't let the major league roster cut into the profits. 
So then we sit at the deadline and the Mariners are perhaps out of contention. If they are, right, we're, we're sitting here thinking, uh, in John Stanton's case, we're saying, okay, even though, even though I've set a small budget, I still expect my GM to be good enough to find a way to win. And it would be one playoff appearance in nine seasons for Jerry DePoto at that point. If they were not able to make it this season, it would be one in nine. Most GMs, Lyle, don't make that. Don't make that in in an organization that says they want to win, survive that. So I'm thinking from that perspective, it's a wait and see mode. It was the same thing in 2021. They in 2021 wanted to make sure that the rebuild for Jerry was going along the way they envisioned. And they seriously thought about giving Jerry a one-year extension into 2022. It was like, all right, let's see some fruit. If we don't like the fruit, you're getting canned. You're gone. And he eventually ended up securing a three-year contract extension when they were in contention in September. But that took all the way until September 1st for that extension to get announced. September 1st. Like, they really they really don't have much hesitance to letting this play out and sort of making you prove it. Not saying it's fair, but this is how the, this is how the ownership has operated with these kinds of things. And it stinks for him. It doesn't make any sense, but that's where we're at. I can't buy the one appearance in nine years thing. And, and this is why you talk about a guy that's had to deal with two atrocious ownership groups or, or subpar ownership groups at the very least. Think about when DePoto came in after having to deal with Artie Moreno. He comes in, he's got an old aging roster with expensive contracts. You got Felix, you got Robbie, you got Nelson Cruz, you got Kyle Seeger. They tell him, we want to win with this core, so go do it. But you don't really have money to spend. Like, we're not going to go out and let you spend a bunch of money in free agency. So he tried, he got creative, he traded for Gene Segura, he traded for Mitch Hanniger, he did some other things throughout the first couple of years. He traded for Alex Colomay and Denard Spann. Like, he tried. Didn't work. He got ownership to agree to a rebuild. Because again, like you talk about the 2018 deadline, they wouldn't let him spend for a lot of 2016, 17, 18. There was a cap on spending. So Jerry said, look, this roster's not good enough. We have to rebuild. We have to get younger. We have to get more athletic. We have to get exciting. So they did that. There was a COVID season that canceled 2020. Obviously, they were not good in 2019. Like, he, like, that's not a fair shake. And I'm sure people out there that don't like Jerry DePoto are going to use the one playoff appearance in nine seasons thing. I don't think that's fair. Like I like because then he's been given no payroll to spend anyway after the rebuild too. So again, like once this rebuild formed together in 21, they won 90 games in 21, they just missed. They win 90 and 22, they get there. They win 88 and 23 and they just missed. Like that that's the window for DePoto I'm kind of looking at and even then they still didn't let him spend. So I don't know, maybe I'm passionate about this subject and probably the reason I am is I would challenge you or anybody listening that says, I, I, and, and I'm not saying you say this. I, I know you're just kind of presenting the other side of the argument. I would challenge anybody listening that says, I would like to see somebody else run this team other than Jerry DePoto. I challenge you to find who that is and what type of staff he can bring in that not only develops players this well, but also can deal with ownership's restricted payroll. That's not changing. Whoever they bring in, if this were to happen, it's not changing. So I would sit long and hard and think about it. if you really think a change is what's best. I do not believe that. Doesn't necessarily mean it's fair, but it certainly is a lot easier to sell to the public of one playoff appearance in nine seasons. And in the end, that's all that matters, right? Public perception of the organization. 
because well, the, the that, public that, should like, get smarter. They should they should realize one in nine seasons. Unfortunately, you and I both know the public. Like the public is like as much as you want that to happen, won't it won't happen? It will not. Yeah. Well, sorry, I said hyphen. I think I meant asterisk behind the yeah. one appearance in nine years. Yeah, you're right. You're right. But I, like, I don't know. Like with what they just put in place. I don't I don't know what hasn't warranted an extension right now. Shouldn't if you're the ownership group and you were given this payroll and now you see that this team is is supposed to be better than it even was before despite not spending the money, maybe they want to see how it shakes out and actually see the players play first and see if guys can stay healthy. But for all the effort Jerry and Justin have put into this thing, I don't know how they haven't deserved it already alone. Scott Service too, all of them. Yeah. I don't know how they haven't deserved it alone already. So I like again. I I would probably prefer Jerry Depoto over somebody else in the future. But I like I vividly remember our conversation, and I still do feel this way that this team absolutely needs to be in contention by this deadline, bar none, bar none, right? For everyone to have a secure future, that like that needs to be the case. For there to be zero discussion about turnover, they need to be in contention. And given the uncertain financial future of this franchise looking into the future uh, and, and they say, well, we're not totally sure Jerry's our guy. Well, there's a better way to save some money. And they've never been afraid to save some money in spots like this. We, I, I'm just telling the people right now, and I'm telling you, we are going to have a real, real problem if those guys do not get brought back. Look, in all likelihood, the Mariners should be in contention by the yes. deadline. I would be shocked if they were not in contention by the deadline. That, that would be a failure in its own right. But if they're in contention by the deadline, like by the All-Star break, you better get this done. Because to mess around with GMs and president of baseball ops and managers' contracts, I don't love that. I really don't love that. And, and honestly, above all else, even past like Scott Service's deal, Jerry's. Like you cannot mess around with that contract. He is running the franchise in a sense. Like he's not the owner, but he is the one who sails the ship and makes this thing go. So to have uncertainty with the captain of your ship, I don't love that. I don't love it at all. And I would think if you're Jerry, he probably can't be too happy about it either. He's probably looking at this ownership group saying, look at the way you handcuffed me. Look at what I did as a result. Now, where's my reward? That's what I'd be saying. That's Just me. remember that as we wrap up this segment, remember how you are now asking the Mariners to make a sound, logical decision. Just remember that. I I am, yes. We have also asked them to make the logical decision of spending fair money on a competitive team, and they haven't done that. Yeah, so I don't know. I guess this is a subject I'm I'm passionate about. because, And, and part of it is probably PTSD from all the days growing up of dealing with Bill Bavese and Jack Z. I do not, under any circumstance, want to go back to that. You can be frustrated when the Mariners lose. You can be frustrated if they miss the playoffs. You can be frustrated if this front office makes moves that maybe you don't agree with. Whatever those feelings are, I have had a hell of a lot more fun with Jerry Depoto and crew at the helm of this team than I used to with Jack Z and Bill Bavese. I do not want to go back to those days. I don't want to think about hiring a GM who could put us back in those days. No, I'm good. So for me, it's, it's Jerry. I concur with that. I concur. Yeah. I'm having more fun. 
Yes. And look, the truth is this has happened multiple times, like you said, and they got it done late. Maybe one way or another, that's what's going to happen anyway, is come the summertime or August, when, or, I mean, August is still summer, early September, maybe that's what happens. Maybe there's a press release that says, hey, we just extended Depoto, we, we extended Hollander, we extended Scott Service. That'd be great. That'd be great. I hope that's what happens. I hope it happens earlier than that, but I hope by the end of the regular season, that is what happens. And I ho- and in all likelihood, it will, but I just don't like the uncertainty of making my mind spin and thinking back of the days of growing up of, yeah, Bavese, Jack C. Like, I, I can't go back to that. I cannot go back to that, to that age. I just, I cannot do it. So no, nothing spurned it more than us building our all 2000s and all 2010s Mariners teams on, uh, on oh. social media. Go check them out. <laughs> please, please go check them out. Good. Like, that, like that's where the PTSD is probably coming from. So, so yeah, that would be, uh, that would be something. Mm. All right. Let's get to speak your mind. Speak your mind, Spock. That would be unwise. What is necessary is never unwise. Well, TJ, I may have an idea, but is anything on your mind this week? Well, I'd just like to remind you that not all baseball franchises are, are run well. Not just a Mariners issue. And this is like kind of a it's kind of a complex topic here on my on my speaker mind. Um, so I just want to first of all say congratulations to to Ben Shulman, who just got hired as the voice of the Toronto Blue Jays. That is an awesome achievement for him. I I personally I know you've gotten to meet him. I've never gotten to meet Ben Shulman before. He was supposed to be so like we we've, we've obviously told the story multiple times we both interned in the Cape League for multiple summers so Ben was supposed to take one of our spots on the team I interned for the summer after that was covid summer 2020 never happened but um I I thought I might get to interact with him didn't get to so he's now hired as the radio voice of the Blue Jays and I, I was like well that's awesome that's good for him he's working towards a career and he's now made it at a very young age, which is which is awesome. He's doing everything he's achieved. But I'm just looking at this, and again, not this is not, has absolutely nothing to do with Ben. I'm just going to keep clarifying it. Nothing to do with Ben. He's just doing, he's just trying to make it in life. But this is another example, Lyle, of life not being fair, right? Like, it, it really is not. And this is just the public version of unfairness in sports media. because. Uh, the Shulman last name's great. I think the Shulman family does a fantastic job calling sporting events. But Ben Shulman at age, I think, 24, is now the radio voice of the Toronto Blue Jays, in which they essentially treated their old radio broadcaster. I don't know if you've read much about it, Lyle. Ben Wagner. I mean, he, he earned this. He spent you know, like 16 years in the minor leagues. And worked his tail off, got up to the got up to Toronto, and they essentially just treated him like crap. Like rotated analysts out in and out of his booth, never got great chemistry. Uh, they and then once COVID happened, they literally stopped letting him go on the road. Even after the restrictions were lifted, they stopped letting him go on the road. So they just kind of kind of treated him like crap. Didn't renew his contract, and then hired Ben Shulman, who again very talented, but we'd be lying if we didn't say his his father working for the team already didn't influence that decision. And it's an example, right, of 
life not being fair. It's very visual in sports media because all these teams and companies are public. But this isn't just a sports thing, to be honest. Like, how much of this happens at private companies behind closed doors as well, right? It just It's something that uh, I saw. And it, the, every time I see something like this, thoughts come to my head. And I thought this would be the platform for it. Yeah, it's very hard. Like we tell people, we love being in sports media. We chose to be in it for a reason. And we're very passionate about it. But there are times where it's very hard. It's certainly not the first time we've we've seen something like this. And like, this is what I always say about somebody like Noah Eagle, right? Who's who, for those who don't know, is the son of Ian Eagle, who's just an unbelievable broadcaster. He's been on CBS and he's on the Nets for years. Noah, who's a great older than us, like I'm sure he's less than a year age-wise older than, than the two of us about, he is unbelievably good. Like everything he has earned the opportunity to get, like, like every opportunity he's given, he rises above the moment. Like he called the Super Bowl on Nickelodeon. He's done those Nickelodeon broadcasts for a while now. He did Clippers. His first job was the LA Clippers job out of college. Then he started, now he's doing the main Big Ten college football broadcast. He does some NFL games. Like he's done a bunch of stuff. And he's really, really good. I, I say that nonstop. That being said, like he did start calling NFL games or college football games and certainly Clippers games at what, 22, 23, 24 years old. Without the last name, it's, it's, more likely than not, there are not 22, 23-year-olds calling NFL games. So, so to your point, it's a similar example. Really, yeah. really good. Like I have no, nothing but good things to say about him as a broadcaster. But it is a similar idea where, look, like the last name does help. Unfortunately, our parents are not Hall of Fame sportscasters. I wish they were. We'd probably have a leg up in this field. But they're not. We have to make our own luck. and. We accept that and we know mm-hmm. that, but it doesn't mean the two of us or probably other people in the industry too don't sit there and say, well, I wish I were them. Yeah, right. Like yeah. It, you could think of it salary-wise. I mean, you could just think of it career-wise, right? It, like it helps when that happens. But mm-hmm. in, uh, it, I'll say the last thing I want to point out is that like that's why we, you and I try and make connections. It's all about, like you said, creating your own luck. And I think that's a great way to, great way to frame it and having somebody else go to bat for you to get you what like eventually what you want whether it be a job uh advertising opportunity something like that right uh these uh, ben and i uh, ben and noah both have a, a great father to go go out there and do that for them and have all those connections in there and for the rest of us i mean perhaps it's not in family perhaps it's something else but um it's just like it, it's just a conversation that keeps coming up when uh when when these things happen, and uh, I, I will say most of the response I saw was was a lot of what I said at first, with like especially regarding the original, like the the guy who had the radio job before Ben Shulman did, where it's like, okay, are they going to change now how they treat Ben Shulman because he's Dan's kid? Are they going to send him on the road? Are they going to give him one analyst for the whole time? Are they going to probably compensate him fairly to? to to that position you know i i'd hope so because the their radio situation when the old guy was there sounded like the worst in baseball mm-hmm. like funding wise and setup wise and you just hope that's not they're not just going to like change it for actually you know what i sorry i do hope they change over ben i hope it's better but it makes them look worse i'll uh, right. i'll put it that way because then it's good for ben 
but a bad look on Rogers, who owns the whole, owns the Blue Jays, owns the stadium, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. No, I, th- I think you're right about that. For those that are not in sports media, which I'm sure a lot of you listening, that is the case. This isn't uncommon to talk about. Like in our world, these conversations come up a lot. These topics come up a lot. You see the discourse online. You see it in articles, wherever. And, you know, it's it's just the case. Like TJ said, he opened this segment with the whole idea of life not being fair. And we all know that. I'm sure everybody has situations in their own life where it ha- something happens right in front of their eyes and you say, well, that's not fair. Why doesn't it happen to me? I guess this is just us or TJ in this situation sharing his own story of, of well, this is what happens in our world, world, so to speak. Yeah. Um, look, I like I I really enjoy being in New York City, like we've talked about, like for the couple months I've I've been here and will be here. I've really enjoyed it. But also, if I didn't have to kind of pick up on a whim and spend a couple months out here because somebody, you know, had a family connection or something like a job lined up for me anyway, like obviously I would have done that instead rather than, you know, kind of doing something that's that's on a whim and and Mm -hmm. um, trying to make your own luck if you had your own luck already. So like, you know, that's that's all like obviously, like TJ said. Like I've gotten to know Ben. I think he's a very good broadcaster, super nice, by the way, and and like really passionate about baseball. I'm sure Blue Jays fans are going to really like listening to him, and they should. But like you said, I hope the Blue Jays treat him much better than they treated the old guy because mm-hmm. I, I thought Ben Wagner was a really good broadcaster for whatever it was worth. But unfortunately, he got kind of a raw deal. Yeah. Uh, before we get to mine, I guess I, I'll speak the other part for you about your speak your mind. I would say uh, the fact you – or not doing this on your computer, this podcast? Is that a fair uh, yeah, part that's, too? Yeah, that's probably it. I have, a, I have a real, real beef with my laptop right now. But yeah, that's, a, that's, a, that's about it. This has taken us well over two hours to get to this point. Oh, actually, probably. probably three. We're close to three right now. So yeah. it stinks. But you know what? That's why, uh, you know, podcasting virtually. And this, if there were ever a motivation, Lyle, for us to get our own studio, this would be it. There we go. Uh, listen, we've talked about it on some other podcasts when people have asked us, oh, what are your long-term goals for this? Or what do you want to do with the Marine Layer Pod in the future? Maybe it's a pipe dream, but one of them is certainly, I think the two of us would love to be in a similar location, like in the same city, recording out of a real studio in person, like have guests come into the actual studio if they were ever willing rather than be virtual. It'd be amazing. I hope long-term we can do that. But like you said, that is, that is part of the motivation of many things to keep this going and to try to put out good content. And you know what? We make it work, right? Like, yeah. like it wasn't perfect. We had to, we had to jump some obstacles today. Cause again, like TJ's internet kept crashing on him. That's why he's on his phone rather than his computer. And we couldn't get the recording done, but you know what? We're here, made it work. There is always some solution. Even if it's not a perfect solution, it's a solution. So, so yeah, uh, I would say my own speak your mind this week is, well, just relating to New York City, I will say, you know, a couple quick things. One, something I've learned since being here, I hate those letter trains. Number The number trains on the subway in New York City, they're great. They're easy. They're straight up and down. You know where you're going. The, so that, for those who don't know, it's like the one, two, and three trains that go up and down the west side of New York City. It's the four, five, and six trains that go up and down the east side of New York City. Those letter trains that go across, for the most part, Oh, they're such a pain. Like they, they're so slow. They reroute all the time. Like, like we, one of our friends was here this weekend and we got rerouted a couple of times on the train because we looked up the directions only to get on the train and find out, Oh, 
this is on a different line today on the weekend. It's like, well, that would have been nice to know. I don't know. Before we got on, Direction sold us we were going the right way. And again, they move really slow. The like A, B, C, D, E, F. I mean, there's a million trains of letter wise. But anyway, I don't know if you've had that experience when you visited here. I hate the letter trains. Uh, I, I don't know if I had a, a, a notorious difference between the letter and the number trains. I know there is some organization to the chaos. I do. I don't know that though for the letter. The letter trains. No, the, there is organization to it, but I will say I, I have had way less problems with the the number trains than the letter trains. And my parents, who are from New York and spend time in the city, they they were telling me the same thing. It's like, yeah, the the number trains are easier than than the letter trains. Yeah, so. the subway makes more sense going the length of Manhattan rather than the width, because obviously, since it's longer, it makes more sense for trains to go that way. So right. when they don't, it right, is right. it is what it is. I don't. I usually like to think of myself as a good directional person, especially in an environment like that. Uh, so I will say I probably don't have as much of a problem as you do. So, and, th- and I don't, that's not even trying to, trying to boast. It's just like my brother instilled that in me. He was, he has always been very good at that kind of thing. And I've made sure that I've caught up as much as I could. All right. I mean, listen, I've actually gotten the train system down decently. Well, I was so worried forever. I was like, I'm never going to figure this out. At least with the number trains, like I've gotten pretty good at it. I'm actually giving myself a pat on the back. I've impressed myself. And even a few of the letter trains too. But I don't know how any person figures out, oh, at this time of this day, this letter train's running on a different line on a whim. Now we just have to reroute. That that's that's what was a pain. There must so, be a Twitter account you, or something that tells you that. So like you if you lived probably, there for multiple years, I think you would have it. You wouldn't even need to look up directions. You'd have it down. That's probably true. The last thing I'll say before we wrap up the show is is there any like hip hop music I feel like I'm missing lately? I was thinking about this the other day. I feel like I haven't sat and listened to any albums as of late. For the most part. And I was like, like, is there just not a lot of music coming out that we like to listen to right now? Or am I, or am I missing things? So I feel like I used to be very on top of music. Like I listened to some of Kid Cudi's new album a few weeks ago, but I don't feel like there's been that many albums coming out. So you, you make a good point because like I have one big playlist that most of my music sits in. I haven't added to it in a while. Like I really Same. haven't. And maybe, and that's probably lazy on my part, but also like, I think for me on my end with that, I I don't listen to quite as much hip hop anymore. It's a little more balanced. Uh, but yeah, it's like, well, when was the last Uzi album? When was the last, uh, I mean, Travis Scott dropped his album in the summer. I mean, otherwise it's like the Migos don't drop music anymore. For, at least for me, thinking of that way. I mean, Young Thug, is he in prison? I think he's in prison, right? So it's kind of hard for him to, kind of hard for him to drop music. Uh, and like thinking like, like Gunna. Don Tolliver is going to release some music here soon, so that'll be good. But for the most part, yeah, I think this, Lalo, you know what I think this is? I think this is a call for us needing new favorite artists. Maybe not favorite, favorite, but new artists to listen to. Yeah, that's probably right. And there's a couple accounts out there on Twitter that post when new albums come out or new songs come out. And I used to be very on top of it, like especially over the pandemic. Maybe that's because I had less to do. When new hip hop music in general has come out, I'd go through and listen to a lot of it that they'd post and say like, oh, go listen to this. And I was on top of things. I feel like I've been less on top of it, I don't know, over the last few months or so. And maybe that's because we've been busy with stuff. But I do want to make that a point to like, I need new music. So I want to go listen to new music. Yeah, I need to. Yeah, some new hip hop artists will be good. But honestly, just new good music. I've really like, it's all part of growing up, really. I mean, I know. Like, you have an evolved music taste. Like, I listen, like, hip-hop isn't even, like, the majority of what I listen to anymore. It's really, like, it is really diverse. It depends what I'm doing. It really depends what I'm doing. Oh. And that's that's what I listen to. Now what are you listening to? I didn't know that. 
Oh, I don't, dude. I like kind of. I like listening to like Coldplay when I'm cooking. I think it's good. Oh, I like Coldplay. Yeah, like, Coldplay's good. a good. It's a good like a good house like a like a slightly elevated house music, really. Mm-hmm. But if I'm like yeah. cleaning, then I listen to like actual house music because mm-hmm. then just blasts in the background while I clean or something oh. like that. Or if I'm sitting here at my my desk working, I'll play some like relax. One of the like relaxing mixes on Spotify, and it's just like background like soft like music so i don't want to listen to like travis scott when i'm when i'm trying to just relax and work no that makes sense yeah i like coldplay too i just i guess i didn't know you listen to them well that's why we do speak your mind people i i learned something new about tj sitting right here (laughs) along with the rest of you so there we go in conclusion i think we yeah at least me i need to branch out my music and and maybe the both of us do but but yeah all right after a little bit of a hectic day of recording, but that is okay. That'll just about wrap it up for this edition of the Marine Layer Podcast. You guys know the drill. You want to listen to the full form podcast, you can do so wherever you get your audio pods. Make sure to download the episodes. Leave us a five-star review, rate and review, leave a written review. All of it helps us out big time. Like, comment, subscribe on YouTube, and check us out on social media. We're on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, and YouTube Shorts at Marine Layer Pod. That's TJ. I'm Lyle. As always, we thank you guys for tuning in. We'll talk to you soon.